Hey, it's Jamie Sumner, left guard from 1994-95, and this is the Bunch of Nuts podcast with my boys Dan and Cass. Go Bucks! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bunch of Nuts podcast. I'm Big Cass. Dan is getting ready for his bachelor party weekend. I know his wedding is in 100 days, according to his fiance's Facebook. So he's going to go out and celebrate bachelor's weekend in Nashville. So shout out to Dan for that. Celebrate. But I do have our good buddy, one of retaining guests, as always, Blake Biscardi. Blake, happy Thursday or happy Friday if you're to the listeners. How is your week going, my man? It's going well, Cass. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be on with you guys. I'm excited to see what happens this Saturday. Uh, Texas TCU stands out to me as the game that's going to impact their rankings the most, but I'm really looking forward to watching Ohio State get back on track against Indiana at home. Yeah, and I'm shocked that, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that a big noon kickoff's going to be there. You know, it gives me an opportunity for Fox to work, but I was shocked that big noon kickoff did not get the Texas TCU game. Um, because I, I thought that kind of made more sense than Indiana and uh, than Indiana Ohio State, but hey, whatever we get Ohio State game with Joel, Gus Johnson and Joel Platt, we'll take it, right? Absolutely, it's always good to hear Gus in the booth. I mean, let's talk about a game last week. I mean, I was in Chicago for this one. I'm still trying to warm up from the uh, between. I'm going to say between 50 and 80 mile an hour winds. Uh, Cook County, where Chicago is, reached a high of 80 mile an hour winds a couple times of wind gusts and it showed i mean you looked at the field um i mean jesse marco was during warm-ups was having 80 yard punts into the wind uh noah ruggles was trying to kick out of the wind and it would basically hit dog net right there at the 10 yard line uh stroud obviously in warm-ups it looked like his short game passing was looking pretty good but when he tried to throw the deep ball it didn't look good in the um, in, in warm-ups. But let's talk about the, the game itself, Northwestern. Um, I was there. It was cold, rainy, windy, whatever you want to. It's probably, outside, it's probably one of the coldest games I've ever been to for Ohio State. And I've been to two Michigan games. That, that, that tells you anything. Uh, I think just the way the wind felt, like it was so cold. Like I didn't have a raincoat. I let my wife use, use mine, and I was just soaked and cold. And, but it's still had a good time. Buckeyes still win. With a, I think convincingly, with a two-score win, and um, they struggled a little bit, but it is as expected with the with the game. Yeah, such a gentleman for giving your wife your coat, by the way. But uh, watching Ohio State Northwestern from the TV, just from home, it looked absolutely miserable. And I can't blame the players for not wanting to be there. Like just looking at that, it's really hard to play in those conditions. Like you're saying, I saw the video of uh, Noah Ruggles' kick. It just went up and it fell dead right over the goal line. He was kicking a field goal. It's routine for him. And the ball's well in the air, and all of a sudden it just dies, and you're like, wow, that wind is really serious. And then you're watching the game go on, can't throw the ball. There was only 34 yards passing total between both teams when they were going against the wind. So, I mean, you, it's really difficult to play in those conditions. But once Ohio State got the run game going, again, it's like against Notre Dame, Jackson Smith and Jacob goes out, and, you know, your game plan's kind of, you got to adjust it for a little bit. And in warm-ups, like you said, the wind wasn't as bad, and then you got to game time, and when you actually got into competitive football, you know, you realized you really couldn't stretch the field vertically at all. Everything had to be underneath, and even that was hard to come by, so you just had to run the football. And it looked like there were some miscues with the blocking assignments. Maybe it was hard to hear with the wind. 
you might have a little bit more intel mm-hmm. on that being there in the actual stadium. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, oh, is the by the way, it's the deadest stadium I've ever been in. I've heard high school stadiums better than this. Great, one and seven versus you know undefeated. I get it, but you know Northwest Pat Fitzgerald. I don't care what anybody says. It's probably the best one and one and eight team in the country. Uh, they always come ready to play. Uh, it's Pat Fitzgerald. Hundred percent respect to that guy. He always you know he knew the game plan. He he watched the weather. He's from Chicago, so he knows what you know what's coming. Got to make Ohio State one dimensional. And luckily for him, it was Ohio State versus the wind versus the ref spotting. I, there was a few times in the spots that the, you questioned the referees. But, you know, I went back and, you know, I have a little bit more in depth. So after the game, you know, we went and hang out, you know, watched the players, you know, congratulate them on the win. Um, and some of the linemen, I'm not going to name names, were out. Uh, but, you know, Blake knows the names because, you know, off air. But we're going to keep this off air. Um, they were complaining about how the sh- how strong the wind was that they could not hear the cadence. They could not hear the blocking assignments that they had for the zone. And I'm not throwing that as any excuse on um, why the r- short game running game was you know very not very good, but that has that has to go into effect. You eight sixty mile an hour winds into. I played football. Whenever the wind hits that ear hole, it's hard to hear. Like, it really is. Um, I'm still not making that as the excuse of why we missed. But there was some missed blocks. It felt like both the the Jones. I'm calling them the Jones brothers. But that whole, you know, Jones and Dewan, Matthew Jones and Dewan Jones, you could tell that, that something was up because they missed a lot of blocks between the two of them. Yeah, it was an uphill battle form as it is. And then... You factor in the wind, and it's really hard to hear. And then Northwestern was stacking the box. They were loading it with seven, eight, nine guys because you couldn't throw the football. And everybody knew that it wasn't this guessing game. We're like, are they going to beat us through the air? Are they going to throw outruts and quick underneath over the middle? Are they going to run the football? I mean, you had one option when you were going against the wind, and it was to run the football. So you knew that. And a ton of respect to Pat Fitzgerald. Love him as a coach. Like you said, his teams are always prepared. They always play physical. They play intelligent football. And – I mean, they're outmanned in some games like that. Like against Ohio State, there's a wide talent gap. But you saw what toughness brings, and they had Ohio State for four quarters there. It was really interesting watching the run game. It it did end up coming alive in the second half, and C.J. Stroud started keeping the ball a couple times, pulling it on the RPOs, and having a couple quarterback design runs. He ended up leading the team in rushing, which was great to see on his end that he's not afraid to pull it. And I know listening to Ryan Day and even if you look at Ohio State's offense with the weapons they have, C.J. Stroud running the football is not one of the 1A, B, C, or D options they have on that offense because you want to protect them, and you can beat teams in so many other ways. And I know as Ohio State fans, we all harp on it. Why doesn't C.J. run? He's scared. He shouldn't do it. When you see Bryce Young doing it, Hendon Hooker taking off Caleb Williams, Stroud has a lot of weapons, but he's capable of doing that. And we, were, it's kind of like Dwayne Haskins against Maryland in 2018. He was forced to grow up in that game and take over. This was a game where you saw C.J. Stroud have to win the game with his legs, and he proved that he could do that, put the game on his shoulders. And it's going to be a good piece of the offense to have in the bag of tricks uh, to close the season and into the playoff. Yeah, absolutely. I look at it this way. For three quarters, C.J. Stroud was our leading rusher until Brian started busting out for big ones in the fourth quarter. That's just because the physical toughness of our offense line. People talk about the physicality. Ohio State's not physical enough. You continue to hear that. But when they want to be physical and when they want to, they really can turn it on. And we've seen that two weeks in a, three weeks in a row um, with that offensive line. I, 
that's the whole gaining issue is, is this team physical enough at the front of the point of attack? I think they are. I, I just think we're overreacting because of – I mean, I – as dead as that stadium was, nobody wanted to be there. Like, I mean, I wanted to be there because I get to see the Buckeyes play and I traveled five and a half hours to go see them. But, like, you could tell the players, like, the weather, their opponent, they didn't, like, they weren't up for it. But I tell you what, when they can turn that physicality on, it shows. It really shows. And I'm throwing this out there. I think C.J. Stroud had a mini Heisman moment. I think, and nobody's kind of looking at it like how, you know, how he, you know, he had 79 yards passing for the game. He put the team on his back. He start he took, took the ball and, and he ran with it like he was supposed to because he knew the passing game was happening. The win was so effective that wide receivers and tight ends had seven drops in the game, which is unusual. By the way, Marvin Harrison still has zero drops for the season, knock from wood, but like it's, it's amazing that how good this kid is and he played his way back as the front runner in the Heisman. And I think this game showed that it was a mini, a mini Heisman say, Hey, CJ Stroud is bringing this wrinkle into his, in his game. He can really run the ball and when he wants to, and when he has to. And I think where a lot of people who are worried about Michigan coming up in a couple of weeks, which, you know, as Buckeye, I'm worried, you know, everybody should be. Michigan's good. This brings a new wrinkle on what C.J. Stroud could do, and it's opening up to what he could for another Heisman campaign this this year. Yeah. When you're looking at C.J. Stroud, running the football adds another dimension to the offense. Absolutely. And now you're thinking, do we really have to defend this too? Because there's already – a million options to defend on the Ohio State offense. I would be curious of the number, though. You mentioned seven drops. I wonder how many passes the Ohio State receiving core, and this is including Kate Stover at tight end and NG Scott, how many they've dropped this season total? Because I'm sure that number seven that they had in Northwestern would be pretty close to the number that they've had this year because there's a lot of shorthanded receivers on the Ohio State offense. Brian Hartline does a tremendous job, and Kate Stover has been incredible this year uh, blocking uh, both the run and the pass, and then also out there as a receiver on the outside or off the line, he's done extremely well. But, but heading into Michigan, it's going to be really interesting. And again, like you said, you're nervous. Of course, there's nervous energy. It's going to be yeah. the first time that Michigan's come to the shoe since 2018, which that in itself is a weird thought. Like no one has experienced the game in the shoe, probably on this roster. There's not very many guys, if any. I mean, <clears throat> Maybe when you're Tyler, just looking all maybe, that, yeah, maybe like Tommy Eichenberg as a freshman or something like that. It, it, it right. is really weird to think about that, and um, and I, you know, these guys are gonna be jacked up for it. As, you know, that's a couple of weeks Absolutely. away. We'll get more deep, more in depth with that. So the thought is, Ohio State. They said Ohio State were struggling in a running game. They still averaged five point nine yards carry. You know, I, I sent you the screenshot. Yeah, defense allowed just under a little bit, like three point five or something like that. But you look at it this way, a lot, a lot of people are like, well, huh, defense gave up 192 yards rushing. How many times did Northwestern run the ball? Well, like, there's <laughs> that, and that's all they could do. So that was their whole offense. How many like, total yards did they have? Oh, boy. I know I said this to you. Oh, a couple of days ago. I hope I didn't delete it. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at they had, like that, you see They had 206 yards total rushing. 
three right. and a half yards, and they had 285 yards of total offense. Ohio State had 283 with 207 yards rushing, 76 yards passing. They had 79 yards passing. So we had 2.9 yards per pass. You'll never see those stats again in your life from an Ohio State team as long as Ryan Day is the head coach. I can assure you that. Take it to the bank. Bet the mortgage on it. Never going to see it again. I mean, but, both, team, both teams were atrocious on third downs. They were 9-20. and 20. We were 4-14-15. We were 2-4 on fourth down. They were 0-4. But, yeah, I mean, the elements, everything played a factor. I'm not worried one bit about the defense. I mean. Yeah, the defense stepped up when it mattered most in that game. Yeah. Especially with those four fourth down stops. They stepped up when it mattered the most. There's not much you could do. They're going to run the football a little bit. They bent a little bit. They only gave up seven points. I'm not worried about the defense whatsoever after that performance. And, oh, Northwestern ran for 200 yards. Michigan's going to run for 400. Relax. That's all they had the option to do. Calm down. How many times did they run the ball? Just like Cass said, take a deep breath. Move past the game. It's over. That's the anomaly of the season. No one's going to really take film from that game on either way. And just move on. You got Indiana fresh start this week. It's going to be new. Yep. Get the offense back rolling. Yeah, and that leads us to the CFP rankings came out Tuesday. A lot of shakeup at college football. Alabama lost to LSU. What a gahonas call by Brian Kelly to go for the go for the win in overtime. Um there's a lot of shakeup. Clemson got demolished by Notre Dame, which I saw coming. Me I, too. I mean, a lot of people saw coming. So it shook up the rankings. And, Blake, you and I have been putting out a top 10 every week. We both have. And we've been pretty damn close every week. We really but have. I think, I think this week we might have been the closest we ever have. And, you know, the college football playoff rankings, you know, came out, you know, top four. As expected. As expected. Number one, Georgia, they boat race Tennessee. I'm saying they boat race. Tennessee got a cheap touchdown late. Uh, they did. Ohio State, two. Uh, Michigan, three. TCU, four. Tennessee, five. You, you know, um, what? Yeah, let's see. You got Oregon, six. LSU, Oregon, seven. Yeah. USC, eight. Yeah. I had that top eight completely right. I also me, had, me UC, I had UCLA, nine. Alabama, ten. But, yeah, we matched. Yeah, but they had Alabama 9, Clemson 10. A lot of shakeup. I like the rankings. This, I know they ranked Alabama 9, and it, it, uh, it's, it had made a lot of Ohio State fans mad. But there's no way they're making the playoff. There's absolutely no way. No, There would have to be so much shake. You'd have to have Ohio State lose and Michigan lose before they play in the game. Um it and you would have to, you'd have to have LSU lose. You would have to have Tennessee lose. They're not making a playoff, so calm down, Buckeyes. And I understand everybody wants to see Alabama out of the top ten. It, I get it, I hundred percent get it. But they're still a good football team. They lost by one. They lost by a total of four points, four points in their two losses to good teams. So Alabama deserve. I think they deserve that ten ranking or nine ranking but Clemson being 10 is the one that shakes me knowing that UCLA is 12 that's the question mark yeah when you look at the rankings it all depends on how you rank the teams like for example the top four they had that had to be the top four and then you get into the one loss teams 
And you're like, okay, Tennessee's the best one loss team. And then you have Oregon. Again, you're not really going to argue that. And then LSU at seven, because the committee had them at 10 last week, they just beat Alabama, who was six. Now they need to move up to number seven. No arguments. But once you get to eight, I could argue Alabama at eight if you rank the teams based on who I think would win on a neutral field that week. I think Alabama would wax USC. USC doesn't really have a good defense. But again, I'm I'm okay with USC there. I have the problem with UCLA down at 12. UCLA has two ranked wins. USC has none. And UCLA is a more complete team than USC. But again, Clemson at 10, they've been fraudulent all year long. And sitting at 10, it just feels like they might have an outside shot at the playoff if they can run the table, finish the ACC as champions with one loss being 12-1. and one. Do they have an argument? I still think no, because the ACC is a weaker conference. And then we're going to get Alabama Ole Miss this week, so we're going to see how that shakes out. So it, it, it really is going to be interesting to finish the month of November because when I look at the rankings, I still see those Pac-12 teams losing once they finish that round robin. We're going to get a matchup that we've seen already, most likely, in the Pac-12 championship game. They've done away with divisions. Tennessee, I think, is just going to sit there at 11-1. and They're going to be an attractive pick because I think TCU is going to lose. Um, we'll let you know when we get the, to the picks later in the show. But Ohio State and Michigan, the loser of that game, is not out of the playoff race, in my opinion. I, I really do think that both teams have a shot to get in. I really think TCU, they, I think they run the table. I really do. I think there's a team that I they are undefeated. Um, they might have to play Texas or Kansas State again. Um, it, it's – I just think TCU just finds ways to win, and that's the way, you know, that Sonny Dykes is playing. His, he has his team, and I love it. I personally want TCU to keep winning. I really do. The interesting one that I see is UCLA and USC, obviously the winner of that game. Um, but if somehow, some way, USC, just let's say USC beats UCLA. Yeah, they're the higher-ranked team. Yeah. Okay, they play Notre Dame. They beat Notre Dame. They're going to be a top. Oregon's going to win out. There's nobody beating Oregon until the Pac-12 championship, possibly. You can't. If you're Tennessee or that one loss Ohio State or Michigan team, like you can't bank on if TCU goes undefeated that this could be a top 10 matchup between the Pac-12 champions. You mm-hmm. have to really, if the committee would have to really consider the Pac-12 champion because it's just going to be a top 10 game. It, it yeah. really is. It, it's going to be interesting to think about if TCU and those Pac-10 teams keep winning, Pac-12 teams keep winning. If TCU wins up, TCU is the wild card in this whole playoff picture moving forward. If they stay undefeated, they have to be in. There's no denying that. But if they lose, that's where it would open the door for the Tennessees or the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, the Pac-12, maybe backdoor for Clemson. But I agree with you. The Pac-12 would have an extremely strong argument, especially if it is USC who runs the table and finishes the regular season Oh, if USC and wins the Pac-12 with yeah. one loss, USC is in the playoff at 12 and one. Oh, for sure. It, I, under that scenario, because they would pick up those two ranked wins, assuming Notre Dame stays ranked. When I look at Oregon, I've been harping on the big loss to to Georgia all year. I can't get past a 46 point loss. That no team has made the college football playoff with that big of a loss. Now I know it was Week One, and I know it was to Georgia. It's not like in years past where the team with that argument is lost to an unranked team or to a lower-ranked team. Like Ohio State, Virginia Tech. Exactly. And that's been the biggest margin of victory, 
or loss, I should say, for a team to get into the playoff, and that was 14. And that's almost triple that for Oregon. So it's it's, it's going to be a really interesting debate if Oregon is the team that runs the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12's best chance is USC finishing at 12-1 and because they can pick up those ranked wins. And they're more attractive. Exactly. And not that UCLA is not because they would have maybe a better resume than USC if they go. But Chip Kelly and Dorian Thompson-Robinson versus Caleb Williams, Jordan S. and Travis Dye and Lincoln Riley. Where are you at when you're looking at those two together? I'm looking at – I would take USC in that case because of the playmakers and the story, the brand, the hype, the coach. So I agree with you that USC would get the nod there. Yeah, I think – you at the end of the day, if it comes down to a TCU runs the table, you USC wins, runs the table. Let's say Ohio State or Michigan. It's going to be Georgia, Ohio State or Michigan, at one and two. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, is TCU three and USC four. Which realistically, that's what you would want. But I think traditionalists think about it. Oh, Big 12 versus SEC is the traditional Sugar Bowl matchup. Pac-12, Big 10 is the traditional Rose Bowl. Even though we're not getting that, we're getting Fiesta Bowl and Peach Bowl. Could that traditionalist say, hey, let's do it it this way, and we'll see. And I think it's better. I think it would be a better matchup. Oh, okay, Ohio State versus TCU. Which one has the better rankings? Ohio State versus USC? Or Ohio State versus TCU. You got to look at it that way. And people be like, "Oh, why is TCU?" Like, I'm think I'm looking thinking logically here. And it's not a no knock on TCU, but I think that they will rank a one loss USC over a undefeated TCU just because of that ratings of the history of the Michigan or Ohio State versus USC. There's precedent, too, at dropping TCU in the final weekend. So that's not far-fetched if you really think about it that way. And uh, USC may end up with a better resume if they could pick up two top 10 wins because, like we said, right, and UCLA will be a top 10 team by the time that matchup happens next week because Alabama or Ole Miss, one of them is going to lose. So UCLA is top 10. Maybe they stay at 11. Who knows? I think they should be in the top 10 if USC is ranked eighth personally. But, yeah, yeah that, that would be a really interesting debate. Ed, I'm going to say this with a complete Big Ten fan glasses on right now, is TCU would be the easier matchup on paper, and they would give that to the SEC team. So that could be just that underlying thing there where you're like, I'm not mad at giving the SEC team the easier matchup. You know, just some of the things that you harp about as a fan where you're like, oh, well, it's never fair to us. Well, like you said, I think the ratings game is Ohio State USC. That's massive. Or Michigan USC. Just or Michigan just, USC. Just to throw that out there. Yeah. No, thank you. Three weeks of football left. Wow. We love this time of year. It almost makes you not want to change the final four. Like it really does. It. Like yeah. Because once you get the the twelve team, it's going to be like, oh, we lost, but we we're going to be in the playoffs. Like it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like today there was an article coming out about Ohio State Michigan potentially playing back-to-back weeks if they eliminate divisions. Uh, and, I mean, that would take so much away from the importance, the magnitude of the game. It would make the game turn into a participation trophy because 
it's so hard to go win that game no matter what. And then to do it two weeks in a row, the likelihood of that is next to impossible. So then you're splitting. Bang. And then and then you're like, well, there's the traditional weekend that you play after Thanksgiving, right? In the last weekend of the regular season. And that win means so much. But then you got to go do it again the next week. You're emotionally drained. you got to get back up for the game. And then you would lose. You can't have pride in the week before because you just lost the following week. For, for, the, for the Big Ten Championship. Exactly. Yeah. So you're almost like, all right, I'm laying a duck the first week and I'm Please putting all my eggs in the basket for the following thing. But Please it would take so much thing. away. Yeah, you cannot have that happen. You and have- you also can't do it and say, oh, just move the game off the last week of the regular season. No, it has to stay in that slot yep. right there. There's so much tradition being upended and- in college football right now. It has to stay there. Do you think both ADs would be on board of our game plan? By the way, the Jackets won their first game in a long time. I saw that being the the Flyers over here. A lot of people here in Philly will be upset. <laughs> but um, but I think both ADs and school presidents be like no, and I I don't think the Big Ten would be willing to do that. Like I think I think what they tried to do the non the divisions keeping Ohio State and Michigan out. I think if they do realign the divisions, you have to keep Ohio State and Michigan in the same division. I say, I say just balance the power. You, here's what you do. You take Michigan State and Penn State and throw yep. them out in the West, and you bring in Purdue and – Or if you put it in UCLA. pods too, Cass. Oh, yeah, if you pod. put it in pods, USC, UCLA, they stay in one pod. Ohio State, Michigan, you're in another pod. My Minnesota, Wisconsin, back, another my pod. My Penn article, State, my article. Say, exactly, exactly what you said in the preseason. If the Big Ten moves the pods, that's where it needs to be. You have to keep the rivals together, and that's what makes those games so important. We're already going to diminish the value of marquee regular season games. Now, we're going to get more of them. They're just not going to mean as much when we get the 12-team playoff format. But you cannot do that at the cost of slashing the meaning between Ohio State and Michigan having it two times in a row. Now, if you would get it in the playoff, that's a whole different thing. Now it's in the postseason. That's fine. But back-to-back weeks is no. I also think what's the 12-team playoffs? Our home-and-home with Georgia and Alabama. Gone. Gone. Uh, Maybe get one game neutral site. Yeah, in Atlanta, of all things. So, quote-unquote neutral. So, uh... Let's before we jump into previewing Indiana. Let's talk about good week in hardwoods on the hardwood. The Buckeyes basketball team won tonight. Um, Zed Key apparently went off. We haven't watched it. We're just going to run the scores. <laughs> um, Ohio State beat Charleston Southern on the hardwood tonight. Um, there's just a lot of great young talent. Plus, with some of the other guys, like you know, you could see Justice Sewing go off against Robert mm-hmm. Morris. Uh, good to see Zed Key just play very, very well, which ESPN is weird. They have everybody listed in the starting lineup as guards, which cracks me up. Um, but it's good. Two wins for Ohio State, two blowout wins. They back at in action next week against Northern Illinois before they head to the Maui tournament. I mean, I, I can't wait to watch them in the Maui tournament. Yeah, I'm excited to see them too. There's a lot of buzz and hype around this recruiting class for Chris Holtman, and it's going to be a different style team than what we've seen in recent years from Ohio State. We've got a traditional big man now. So I'm looking forward to what Ohio State's going to be able to do with this style of team. It's been different than what Chris Holtman's had in the last couple of seasons. They're going to look a lot different. They're going to play fast with a different energy. It's going to be exciting for the basket bucks this year. And, yeah, the Maui Invitational will be a lot of fun to watch. 
Yeah, I I just I was going through their schedule and I was like, man, what games do I want to go to? By the way, you could have bought got to a game tonight for a dollar. Uh, just I'm to sure. see geek. <laughs> Saw a pregame picture. There was about twelve people in the seats with eight minutes before tip. Yeah, I and I was going through and I was like, man, the non conference schedule at home sucks. Like <laughs> we got Duke. Yeah, there's no the Duke this year. Yeah, they're at Duke this year. And they got North Carolina in Madison Square Garden, which I that'll be the real I mean the mm-hmm. game against Duke will be a test too, and the yeah. Maui Invitational. But I was kind of disappointed. Their best game before the twenty twenty three, like the twenty three three calendar year kicks off is December eighth against Rutgers. Um and it kind of sucks. Like we've already seen the women's team. They knocked off number five Tennessee at home on their first game of the season. Like the women, and then they got they got to play Michigan on December third at noon at the Gavelli Center. So we might have good years for both men's and women's this year, and I'm kind of I'm here for it. I'm really here for it. Yeah, the women are off to a great start. They just upset Tennessee the other day, eighty-seven to seventy-five behind a big third quarter. They outscored Tennessee by seventeen points coming out of the break. And propelled them to that victory in the second half. It was great to see there. I mean, everybody got to storm the court. It's like a ton of fun yeah. down there for the girls. And they've been really good the last couple of years. Quietly, too. Quietly, yes. yes. Exactly. Quietly. Here's here's a question, too. Where would you rather see the men play basketball? Which which arena? I know there's a debate that goes on between between the two arenas. Where would you rather see them play? I've never seen them play in St. John's, so I'd love to see them in some place St. John's. Uh, I wish back in the day, I know there's a, I think, I, I know what their vision was, but I, I feel like that, and this is before the, this is before the Blue Jackets came in, so I get why mm. they did this arena, but I feel like they should have just spent the money and renovated St. John's, yeah, because that place could get loud. I've remember, I've, I've watched highlights of Jimmy Jackson era, era. Um, I, like, I think it'd have been awesome. It's right there, right in front of the shoe. Like, it'd be, like perfect, perfect. But I, I, I want to see them play one time in, in the shoe. I know the women's are going to play at the Cavelli Center. I heard that. I heard that's um, pretty uh, ruckus, especially during wrestling. And this yeah. volleyball, this volleyball team. I and my my wife and I were trying to find things to do on Friday night. If we would have known the volleyball team was going to be in Northwestern as well. We probably would have went over there and watched them. We might not what knew what was going on, but but uh, but yeah, the volleyball team. It's great. It's a great week. It's a great time to be a Buckeye in all sports. Yeah, the whole athletic department has a lot of great things happening right now. There's a lot of teams ranked, and yeah. now we're gonna we've got football season that's uh, coming to a close here. I know we still have the postseason, but basketball. All this overlap is so much fun when you have all the different sports going at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. So Indiana comes into town, big noon kickoff. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, big noon kickoff starts at 10 o'clock. I'll be up in the booth with Gus and Joel. I mean, hopefully some things go right. Hopefully Gus Johnson is not like he was at the Iowa, during the Iowa game. I'll, I'll say that for off air. But Indiana comes into town. They beat – they've – they're a hard team to judge. They really are, and they're not very good. They're yeah. They they started the year. They beat Illinois, and then look what Illinois has been able to do. And 
Indiana's lost six straight now. Yeah. Um, so the Buckeyes, they're they they always like they always play Ohio State tough, no matter what. And it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be interesting to see how the offensive approach will be. Um, will they go pure ground attack, or do they they let CJ Stroud just be CJ Stroud? Um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of what Ryan Day pulls out. The closest this game is going to be is at the coin toss when they have to shake hands. And I really think that Ryan Day is going to want to emphasize, I know the run game needs to be the point of attack, but his passing game was not able to be seen last week in Evanston. He's going to want that first drive is going to be scripted and the Buckeyes are going to march right down the field. You're going to have a start with a quick route to Igbuka, and then you're going to go a couple down the field shots, Marvin Harrison Jr. over the middle probably and they're going to score pretty easily. And how about when Marvin Harrison Jr. catches the ball? I think almost every catch goes for a first down. I know it did against Penn State, and I know it did against Northwestern. That's an incredible stat to look at. Almost every catch of his goes for a first down. It almost reminds me of, too, is that time of year where everybody starts questioning Ryan Day's running game, and boom, Ohio State just pops off this nasty running attack. I feel like there's no. I feel like this is a Mayan Williams' bench and Travion Henderson's going to play. Yeah, they seem to go every other. And I get, you know, people are like, oh, what, what are they actually hurt? Who knows? I mean, I, I love that Ryan Day keeps it under the best. Um, but I feel like a big day in the running game and a passing game. I feel like almost close to 600 yards of total offense. That's the way I, I feel in this about this game. Yeah, um, I'm thinking the same thing. I don't think I don't think uh the uh, defense is gonna have an issue this week um against against them. I also think Jim Knowles wants to you know, they wanna make it I think Ohio State wants to make a statement. I really do. Um I don't even know who Georgia plays this week. Mississippi uh, State. Mississippi State. Okay. Oh, wow. My, Mike Starkville. is Mike Leach gonna bring a bench out? Cause did you see the video? I did. <laughs> that was hysterical. But Going back to Ohio State, Indiana, I just I don't see enough out of Indiana to for for them to make a, a game out of this. I really don't. I I'm going with my score prediction, forty one ten, um, just because I I don't think Ohio State covers because uh, you know what I think they do cover forty. I'll go forty one six. No, that's yeah. still not that's still not covering. <laughs> yeah, the spreads inflated up. The spreads inflated a lot. Uh, this week, looking at it all, and um, what is the spread now? Last I saw, I it was forty and a half. Yeah, that's that's where I have it. Also, I've I've got a high state winning uh, fifty six to ten. I really think we're going to see that two fifty two fifty game from the Buckeyes. Oh yeah, and yeah. It, and then it ends up getting closer to to six hundred yards, like you're saying. It wasn't forty one ten. It was fifty one ten. I'm sorry. 51, it was fifty one. Yeah, fifty one ten. They cover. Yeah. They cover. They get the cover. Fifty one ten is what I cover what i had i'm sorry i I kept thinking 41 for some reason all day but yeah you still got that weather on your mind it's still a freaking havoc on you yeah especially like tomorrow we're supposed to get a lot of rain here in columbus yeah here too but uh yeah i just i don't see enough i tommy eikenberg again i i'm about to look up his season stats that's what that's what i was doing because he had well i think last week he was at 41 tackles for the year like i think solo and I think that's what I think that's why I had uh I had uh forty one on my mind. 
Yeah, while you're doing that, I think Tommy gets a turnover this week. I think the Buckeye defense gets two or three turnovers this week. They're going to impose their will on Indiana. And it's not going to be anything fancy, but they're going to make a fundamental statement and play very sound defense. They're going to maintain their gap integrity, and they're going to shut Indiana down. I, I kind of feel in a Denzel Burke pick six. I'd like that. I I really, like, for some reason, I I – I see a Denzel Burke pick six. Like he's definitely due. Yeah. I think we're going to see now Ohio State's not going to throw anything on film the next two weeks. Michigan will have to throw some things on film against Illinois because of how stout their defense, their defensive front has been. But I really don't think Ohio State's going to put a lot on film this week. It's going to be more vanilla. There's going to be some wrinkles, but everything they're going to do, they're going to be efficient with it. They're going to play fundamentally sound. And they're just going to execute. They weren't allowed to really execute because of the weather last week. So execution and effort and toughness, that's going to be the marquee of this Indiana game, in my opinion. And I'm just really looking forward to watching the Ohio State offense and defense get to work, get on the same page, play complimentary football to each other, complement each other, and roll to victory. Yeah, I completely agree. Tommy Eicherberg has 53 solo tackles, 85 on the season. Telling he had forty one. He had forty one solo tackles last year. You you said a preseason. You said that man's going to get a tree out in Buckeye Grove. I'll go dig it for him. To, uh, Saturday. Bring a bring after, a shovel after the game Saturday. Uh, after Fox releases me, I might go start digging. And if people come over and ask me what I'm doing, I'm like I'm digging C.J. Stroud and Tommy Eichenberg's tree. Yeah, I'm helping out the facilities crew. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I, I I even bought a Tommy Eichenberg jersey, and I was so depressed that it didn't fit. Like, oh. I was going to wear it last Saturday, and yeah. it didn't fit. But um, I'm looking at the, also some stats. Interesting, Mike Hall Jr. leads the team in sacks at four and a half. JT Tui Maloa had two has two and a half. Oh, game against Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three and a half by Javante Jean Baptiste. Caden Curry has a half a sack. Jerron Cage has a, a sack and a half. Uh, State Chambers has a sack and a half. Has a sack. Cody Simon, wow, quiet. He has a, Cody Simon. I, I, real quick, fifth in the team in ta- leading fifth in team in tackles. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Denzel Burke is sixth. I believe the teams have thrown at him a lot this year, and he he really was not that great early on, but he he's pulled his weight, he's gotten it back together, and he's looked much better. Uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, Ronnie Hickman has three interceptions. Uh, leading the team in interceptions is Tanner McAllister uh, and then uh, JT2 in the low out. Yeah, he's been – McAllister's been a great addition this year. What I'm looking forward to, and I think we'll we'll probably see this against Michigan, is the defensive line where you have Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams in the middle. Then you got JT2 Moloau and Zach Harrison on the outside. That four – they're going to do some damage. Jack Sawyer Jack Sawyer has two sacks, by the way. He's going to have a big game in one of these last three weeks. I'm, oh, I'm waiting for him to have his, his big game, his coming out party. It's not going to be the level of JTT, but he's going to have a big game in one of these next three weeks. All right, so much for this run. Ohio State run offense is struggling this year. Travion Henderson, five, 5.8 yards of carry. Mayan Williams, 6.2. What's C.J. Stroud yards per carry after last week? Three. 
How about it? 70, 25 yard carries for 75 yards. <laughs> All of them came last week. Ameko Booker. The other ones were sacks before. Ameko Booker, eight, eight carries, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Mayan Williams has 12 touchdowns on the season. I saw I saw a comparison today between uh, Debo Samuel and Emeka Ibuka. I wasn't mad at it. Now, Ibuka doesn't have Samuel's frame, but I wasn't mad at like just seeing that role that he kind of plays where he's not afraid to take that end around and go rush a few times a game because he question. scored a couple touchdowns on in the end around. Here's a question for you, Blake. All right. Marvin Harrison Jr., 53 receptions, 834 yards. Emeka Ibuka, 49 receptions, 794 yards. Will both of them eclipse a thousand before Michigan? Before Michigan? No, I'm, I'm playing. No, they'll, they'll both get a thousand. Marvin, Marvin, you know Marvin, Marvin, Marvin will do it. For, you know what? Yeah. Like Buka might. I, I mean, mean it, de- uh, it depends what day wants to do on offense. I mean, the next two weeks, but Marvin, it's possible. Marvin Harrison Jr. is only 160, 166 yards away. Emeka yeah. Buka is only. 206 away. I'll they stand might, by my before Michigan pick. I'm going to stand I'll, I'll by it. That. I'll stand Let's by it. it. I'm right there with you. Let's do it. And Fleming and Stover are on pace to have over 500 yards received. Um, Stover's at 321. Fleming's at 361. Stover Stover's going to be really important against Michigan. Yes. 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 All right. Let's get in. Get into the college, the slate of the college football weekend. Um, usually we rewrite our stuff down. I don't think we're going mean, to, you know what? I'm going to I've got a slate in front of me if you want to use them. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just do the slate that you have in front of you. Usually Dan and I will have this, but I don't think we're going to do it this weekend. Do our little graphic. Just too much going on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Give me the quick refresher on your Ohio State, Indiana pick. Oh, I have 5110. Yeah, but I've got 56-10, the Buckeyes cover. Now looking into the SEC, we've got LSU favored by three coming off of a win against Alabama. The Tigers have not covered a spread the week after Alabama since 2017. They're in Fayetteville against Arkansas. They cover. I think they cover as well. Easily. 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 Yep. I, th- I, I think their quarterback has squeaked his way into the Heisman con- conversation. Yeah, he, he's got some tremendous upside. It's going to be fun to watch him continue to grow and develop the rest of this season and next year. Then we'll stay in the SEC. Alabama favored by 12 at Ole Miss. See what Lane Kiffin's got up his sleeve. I don't think Alabama covers. I Really? I think they're going to pack it in, and I think Ole Miss is going with the upset. Really? Yes. I've Ole I Miss, think, to me, is in the class of Clemson this year as the fraud. But go ahead and explain your reason. I think – that I've been hearing stuff, and you know, of course, you hear this on Twitter that yeah. Bryce Young might pack it in. I, I have heard some of that smoke, and I was like, as a Heisman Trophy winner already, that would disappoint me. I understand the whole draft stock, I get it. There's not a lot to quote unquote play for if you're Alabama. That would be disheartening to me having won the Heisman Trophy already, but I have seen that smoke, and that would be. Uh, I don't have the adjective I, for what. I think he packs it in after the Iron Bowl. Okay. I don't think he plays in the New Year's Six Bowl. That's where I'm going with. No, that I could see. But um, I think Alabama covers this week. I just, I'm just i not I, a big believer in Ole Miss. I, I, I feel 
Lane Kiffin's got something up his sleeve. Always does. It's in Oxford. Stuff's going to happen. It's going to be weird in the first half. But Jameer Gibbs, he's going to win the game for Alabama. We'll go uh, to the group of five here, UCF and Tulane. This could be for the New Year's Six invitation right here. Tulane is favored by two at home. I haven't watched much of these teams, but I've watched UCF, and I like what UCF's doing. So I'm going to go with UCF. But I know Tulane. I've heard a lot of good things about Tulane, though. Yeah, Tulane has played well. They've put together a great season so far. I'm with you with UCF. I think they win this game outright. And I have a little beef with the committee. Liberty is 8-1. and one. They just beat Arkansas at Arkansas, and they weren't ranked this week. And I, the AP poll has them at 19th. I thought that they would be more in that conversation as the group of five team. Could they be the highest-ranked team at the end of the year, given what they've had on their schedule? Now the committee's harping on their strength of schedule. It's not that strong. But they, they absolutely demolished BYU. And they beat Arkansas in SEC country. So I, I thought they should have been ranked with that. I guess that's just me. I agree with the AP poll of where they are, and I thought they'd have a run into New Year's Six. But I think UCF wins this game anyway. I, uh, I'm with you. And then we'll look at Georgia after they just walloped Tennessee. They're favored by 16.5 in Starkville. Mike Leach and Mississippi State. Will Rogers has had quietly a, a solid year so far. Do they have any juices in them to upset the Bulldogs? I don't think they have any juices to upset them. But watch this game be closer than what it actually is. I think Georgia – I don't think Georgia covers. But, but it's still a two-possession two game. Yeah, I, I see this game as well. And it might not be that way on the scoreboard. But I think Georgia's going to win this game, and I think Georgia's going to cover. I, I think Mississippi right State struggles in the red zone. I think it's 16 right now. I think Georgia's going to struggle for the next couple of weeks, next two or three weeks. They're already in the playoff. They can sleepwalk there. It doesn't matter. That's they why, in, that's why yeah. I think they don't cover. Yeah. Is Stetson Bennett in the Heisman conversation now, by the way? No. All right, just need to make sure. <laughs> he hasn't done enough, really. I mean, no. besides beat people prank calling from Tennessee. How bizarre. Like That, how... that really was. And, how... yeah, and then he gave him the gesture to call me after uh, he scored that touchdown early on. Like, I mean, I look at it this way. I forgot how this – Tennessee's been so bad for so long. I thought – I forgot how ridiculous their fans were. Oh, yeah. Like, and then all of a sudden they, you know, kudos to them. They got a good program going on right now. But <laughs> I forgot how, I forgot how bad they were. Yeah, the Tennessee fans are ruthless. But um, let's go to the ACC here before we get to our game of the week. North Carolina at Wake Forest. Demon Deacons favored by three and a half. I like North Carolina. Because Drake May is about to wear scarlet and gray next year. <laughs> I, I said the same thing. I'm like, what quarterback do I like more, Drake May or Sam Hartman? Give me Drake May on the road. I yeah, like North Carolina uh, as well. Yeah, I like North Carolina. I, I'd love to see him in scarlet and gray too. I, 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 I think they win the ACC. Listen, I, I, will, I would not be surprised to see Mac Brown and Drake May pull that out of a hat and win the uh, ACC. My question, though, is if he, 
Do you think he really enters the portal though? If he if he goes to New York Six, they go to New York Six. I don't know. It that that's where I'm at. Like you hear the DJU rumors and the Drake May speculation of what's going to happen. I, Clemson is mismanaging this entire situation by the week. But um, yeah, that that's a really interesting question. If they were to win the ACC, I don't think he can leave if they get a championship out of it. I would I wouldn't put it past him. I it's very interesting. There's a part of me that I like Devin Brown, I like Kyle McCord. I just I don't think Kyle McCord has the, the it factor to be an Ohio State quarterback. I really don't. And if he did, I think Ryan Day would have showed it would show it by him throwing the ball during these I just these Yeah, that's the that's the difficult thing with when McCord comes in because he's just managing a simulation basically. Right. He's like, let me just get hand the ball off, throw a quick pass. You know, he's not doing anything special. He's not getting a chance to do that. I've not watched practice to see it. I would be curious of what he's like in a in a game situation. We saw him play early in the year last year, but he's grown so much since then, or maybe he hasn't. So I would be curious to see him come in and play before I would make that decision. But I mean, Drake may proven quarterback. He's an obvious upgrade and he has that starting experience, especially because Ohio state has to go and play six road games next year. Three of which are against Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Michigan. You need a veteran quarterback doing that. That's what worries me next year for Ohio state is the quarterback situation. And then the offensive line gelling, but they're going to be completely fine everywhere else. Yeah, I I even think they'll be fine with DJU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I I trust Ryan Day and Corey Dennis. That I yeah, I'm not worried about the quarterback situation there. I still, but, uh, I, for some reason I think we get one in the portal. I really do. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. Just as security. But uh, game of the week here, TCU at Texas. If you look at this game, you would think TCU would be favored because they are ranked fourth. Texas is favored by seven at home. Who do you like? Oh, I like TC. I, I even said it this I I would love to see TCU. I even said it at the broadcast. Something tells me Texas is winning this game. I is that number four spot in the playoffs, like the Big Twelve teams has not been good to them. I something tells me that Texas wins this game. At Texas at night. Give me the Longhorns. Quinn Ewers, B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy. Hook them. Texas. I hope we're wrong, though. I really do hope we're both wrong. Hey, Max Duggan and Quentin Johnson have been tremendous for TCU this year. They're yes, a treat. They a lot of fun to watch. They play with fire, though. They can't just get out to a lead and stick with it. They have yeah. to let you score first. It's like it's like when you play your little brother in basketball. You let him score a bunch of points, and you're like, all right, fun's over. Start blocking the shots, and then you end up coming back and winning by a lot. That's how TCU's played football this year. Now, I, granted, they've won all their games. And that's what they're supposed to do, and it's gotten them being ranked fourth. But this is where they'll earn that fourth spot this week yeah. if they can get a win at Texas. I, I really, really hope TCU wins. But I, something like I said, something screams Texas winning this game. Yep. So that's all I have this week. Um, here on the Bunch of Nuts podcast. I hope Dan has a lot of fun out where he's going to be. Uh, just curiosity this weekend. Uh, to, 
just throwing run some college basketball. Tomorrow night, 6.30, tune in. Peterson Armed Forces Classic, Michigan State at Gonzaga. Very um, good game there. Um, obviously, that's the best game of the night. Saturday, there's nothing but sleepers. Uh, Sunday, Colorado, TC, Tennessee. Trying to figure out when the Buckeyes play again. Um, yeah. Tuesday night, Kentucky, Michigan State. Woo! Ooh, man, Spartans got some big ones back this, to back. Hey, that's Tom Izzo for you. This that's is Tuesday. Sure. This is the Tuesday night slate of college basketball. Oh, this Going, is the late rankings week, isn't it? They yes. come out at like nine because there's the basketball games. That's right. Yes, because they come after the Kentucky Michigan State game. Yeah, it's like nine twenty. Yeah, after that, Duke Kansas. Wow, what Duke a, and Kansas will be a that'll be a tremendous and Gardner Webb's at North Carolina. Gardner Webb though in too, but um, Dayton's ranked twenty fourth. Yeah, the Flyers are creeping back up there. Down for a couple years, then, they're back in the mix. And then Wednesday night, Gonzaga at Texas. Wow. Michigan at Pitt. Hmm. And then... Some good matchups wow. in the early going. Yeah, the Buckeyes don't... Oh, it's because it's top 25. I'm like, what? I keep, I keep going in the Buckeyes. I keep forgetting Ohio State's not top 25. All right. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Uh, let's see here. Ohio State... Butler, Penn State on Monday night. I remember the good old days of Butler when they were really good and kept giving Duke runs. Marquette at Purdue on Tuesday night. Here's a one. Georgetown and is home against Northwestern in the Gavit tip-off. Ohio State, Eastern Illinois. Wednesday night on BTF. There we go. And, and then Iowa plays Seton Hall. Some basketball games. Hardwood before we enjoy. Before we go into Maryland Week. Maryland Week and then, yeah, can't believe two weeks left. Uh, 16 days. Well, 15 days when they're listening. Oh, man. Can't wait. It's going to be fun that Saturday after Thanksgiving. Getting wow, but let's get through Indiana first. That's for sure. That's all I got tonight. Enjoy some basketball this week coming up uh, with some Ohio State and some Big Ten matchups, and then enjoy the game Saturday. Gus Johnson, Joel Platt, high new on Fox, and then a nice slate of college football. I'm Josh Big Cats with Blake as always. Thank you for coming on, filling in for Dan. It's always a blast with you on, and have a great night and go Bucks. Go Bucks, thanks for having me on, Cass.